0: You don't know flag. you, Welcome to You Don't Know Flag, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me FLAT. Episode 206, LEGO. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know FLAT. Today is July 30th, 2021, and I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about Lego. But before we get started talking about Lego, let's load this week's notes from my trusty Commodore 64 and it takes unfortunately just a minute to load. So while there's a loading, uh we have just a few minutes to chat on this week's loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. I got to tell you right off the bat that uh, there are two ways now to enjoy this show. You can listen to the audio podcast, and the audio podcast will be there forever and ever. That will never change. It will never go away. But if you're more of a video person and you enjoy watching videos and you want to see my good-looking mug do this show, then you can go to youtube.com forward slash sprite castle which is the name of my other podcast but i'm combining all of my uh gaming related and uh, podcast relating videos over uh into one channel i had some of it on robohair.com i had some of it uh on sprite castle and so i've just decided to Uh, put all those things in one place so now there's uh, i do have a uh, wednesday night streaming show that i upload to the amigos uh, retro gaming youtube channel and that will always still go there my show will always be available on uh, the Amigos feed. The Amigos have been very, very good to me. I'm a big fan of their show, and they've uh, really helped me expand my audience a little bit. So basically nothing's changing. You're not losing anything. All you are gaining, if you are interested in watching the show, instead of merely listening to the show, then you can go to youtube.com forward slash Sprite Castle, and you can watch. There's playlists set up where you can watch Sprite Castle, and you can watch You Don't Know Flack. I just started this last week. I did the first episode of Sprite Castle where I covered Burger Time. So if you want to watch gameplay video and you want to see the pictures and things uh, that I'm talking about during the show, then you can watch it right there on YouTube. I will say that the video version of this show has about 50 unique pictures. So every time I'm talking about a new uh, topic or a memory or things like that, there's probably a picture to go with it. Some people are not interested in the video versions. Uh, I I can tell you, for the most part, I listen to podcasts uh, either when I'm working from home or when I'm in the car. So I don't watch podcasts. I normally listen to podcasts, but I thought I would dip my toe into the world of video. So if you are a video person, it's out there. But again, the uh, audio version will always be there. If I decide that I don't uh, like doing the video version or there's not enough people are watching it or anything like that, then the video part may go away someday. But the audio version of this show, as long as I'm doing a show, (laughs) the audio version will be there. So, again, uh, if you want to see last week's Sprite Castle, where I played uh, Burger Time, you can go to YouTube.com. Forward slash Sprite Castle and uh, check out the playlist there and watch that. Uh, so again, I know I'm I'm beating a dead horse here, but uh, my gameplay, my weekly gameplay videos are always going to be overhead amigos retro gaming. Uh, so if and they have lots of other gameplay videos, so if you uh, like my stuff, you might want to check out what's uh, what else. There's a lot of people that are uploading to that channel, but uh, all the other stuff that I'm uploading will go to YouTube.com forward slash sprite castle now i did hint uh about other material possibly going up on sprite Castle, and and, uh, it's kind of i don't really know what i'm going to do with the channel yet but i you know i'm thinking about like i make a lot of shelves i do a little bit i do some woodworking but it's not uh beautiful woodworking it is functional woodworking in regards to shelves and and brackets and display things and things like that. So, but maybe, um, some how to videos on how to make, you know, those types of shelves. I'm, I do some artwork. I haven't done anything in a long time, but, uh, I'd like to get back to doing that and, and maybe, uh, you know, making some video content, uh, out of that. I may upload things about some of my collections, um, or, or going out thrifting shopping. I don't really know yet, but, uh, all that stuff, if it's related to these shows and these same type of topics, then, uh, Uh, that's where I plan to upload that stuff. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Amigathon. Now, you know, I um, had really pushed Amigathon over the past several weeks. Uh, Amigathon is an extension of Extra Life. It is a fundraiser uh, that happens annually where people stream for 24 hours and they play games and they get donations. And uh, the Amigos uh, podcast, John and... uh, Uh, Aaron have set up they've kind of established this thing that they do every year uh, with Amigathon with all their Amiga friends and people that have uh, followed the podcast and some of the friends they've made in the community but uh, this year they decided instead of doing the stream for an entire 24 hours they were just going to do 12 hours and then turn it over to other streamers and so I was uh, fortunate enough to be included in that so My buddy Jeff, who I've mentioned in probably every episode of Sprite Castle, (laughs) Um, Jeff and I were uh, made friends in in middle school. We became friends, and and we've been lifelong friends. And uh, we—he was the first person I knew that had a Commodore computer in his bedroom. I knew people that had them in their homes, but nobody who had one in their bedroom. And after I saw that, I begged my parents. I was like, I need a Commodore. I sound like Veruca Salt. Daddy, oh, I want a Commodore, <laughs> and I want it in my room now. And uh, so I did eventually get a Commodore computer uh, that same year, and I got it in my room. Uh, and so Jeff, uh, some of you, if you go to my Wednesday night streams, you may see him in the stream as Steel Rat. But Jeff was able to join me, and so the two of us played some of the arcade games that we played growing up together. We played a lot of those two-player games, where you could cooperate, or you could just outright kill your friend. (laughs) So uh, we played Joust, which is that way. We played Mario Brothers. We played Wizard of War. Uh, You know, all those type of games where if you work together, uh, you can get further in the game. And, And, you know, back in the day, we did used to try to work together. And then I would say that it was usually me who would kill Jeff and then pretend like it was an accident. <laughs> and after two or three times, he would catch on that it wasn't an accident, and then he would just slaughter me <laughs> in the game. So anyway, now that we're older, there's no pretense of it being an accident. Uh, he has a pretty good idea that uh, I'm doing it on purpose. And so that was mostly what we did during the stream, as we played uh, a lot of those games and, and uh, just slaughtered each other. But we had a really good time. And the best news was that Amigathon set uh, a goal, they set a goal, I should say, of $5,000 to earn. And before the stream ever got to my stream, so after, before they were done with their 12-hour segment, they had already broke that barrier, and they had set a new goal of 6000 and they had broken that. I think by the time I took over, it was at 6100 and and uh, it was... Uh, 66 something, you know, I mean, I knew it was going to be hard to get donations because people had already been donating for 12 hours. Uh, So a lot of people, you know, they've already, they planned on donating and they did. Uh, But a few people uh, did go ahead and and donate during my show. And I was very fortunate to get uh, Frank from retro rewind. He sponsors uh, Sprite castle and he sponsors the amigos podcast. And he's really involved in the retro community, and uh, RetroRewind.ca is his website, and he sells peripherals and add-ons and, and things to repair and, and maintain and expand. Uh, retro Commodore computers, Commodore 64, and even he has stuff for the Commodore 16 and the Plus Four, and and uh, and of course Amiga stuff. And he donated a few prizes to me to be able to give out during the stream. So he had it on both sides. He was donating prizes to give away, and he was uh, donating money to the cause. So very very generous guy. Um, but uh, two of uh, the people that run the stream, Buck Owens ended up winning a free load cartridge, which was the fast load clone cartridge uh, that was donated by Retro Rewind. And then Zerfall who's another subscriber and listener, uh, won a Wi-Fi modem for the Commodore 64. So I was uh, glad to to give those away. And, and again, the only thing you had to do to qualify was to donate during the time. So those guys and a lot of other people uh, donated. And I had already decided before the show started, that I was going to give away a C64 Mini. And that was won by Beachbum7. So I just... uh, I was going to send the one I had here and then I looked on Amazon and they're down to like $40. So I said, you know, instead of sending them a a used one, I'll just buy a new one on Amazon and drop ship it to them. So that's what I did. And it shows on Amazon uh, that yesterday it arrived. So Beachbum, if you're out there, I hope uh, you're playing some Commodore 64 games. You know, the C64 Mini... You know, it it doesn't have all the features that the Maxi has. It doesn't have the working keyboard. And, and, um, you know, there are a few things it can't do. But it can play all those games. And, uh, you know, with a USB hub, you can hook up the joystick and a USB uh, external stick full of games. And um, what's the other thing? Oh, and a keyboard. If you wanted a USB, you can actually program, you know, stuff on basic with the C64 Mini. And the thing I like about it being $40 is, you can put it in the living room, let kids beat on it. I mean, it's not like, you know, taking a an actual uh, vintage machine and being worried that kids are going to break it, you know. So uh, anyway, congratulations to all those people. And really, congratulations to the kids. Uh, they're the real winners in this, you know, the kids that are having um, difficult times. You know, God forbid anybody's child ends up having to go to a hospital and, and you don't have insurance to cover it or whatever, and, and all the donations made – during Amiga-thon, which I think got, um, uh, around, I think $7,200, $7,300. I mean, it's a lot of money and, uh, it all goes directly to the uh, Children's Miracle Network Hospital. So it's a, it was a good cause and it was a, uh, I was glad to be included in it. And uh, I know Jeff, I would speak for Jeff as well, uh, that we were, uh, I mean, we had a good time. Uh, we played a lot of games. We did a lot of shots of whiskey and <laughs> we, we just had a good time, but, uh, uh, we were both honored to uh, be a part of a megathon and, and we're already looking forward to uh, to next year of what we're going to do. So, um, We'll move on to the question of the month. Now, uh, if you are one of my 16-bit Patreon supporters, you get to ask me a question that I will answer on uh, one of my shows. If it's Commodore related, I'll answer it on Sprite Castle. And if it's not Commodore related... I'll usually answer it here on You Don't Know Flack. And This month's question comes from Brent M., who said, In many of your Patreon videos and podcasts, you talk about all the toys you've owned since childhood. I was wondering, are there any toys you've gotten rid of? Why? And if so, are there any that you regret parting with? Well... You know, when I do uh, my podcast, I mean, I have a main camera view, which if you're watching the video, you can see, and I've got some computer stuff behind me, but there's a whole nother view to the side that you don't really see, which is bookshelves and lunchboxes and some toys. I have so many toys and my, my future immediate goal is to replace the shelves that are behind me with some bookshelves and so I could get my toys and and uh, collectibles and things out of the garage, which is not doing anybody any good there, and put those up on display. So when that happens, if you watch my uh, gaming streams or if you watch the video versions of these shows, uh, you'll be able to see a little bit more of that collection. But that being said... Uh, I don't have everything from my childhood. Now, there were certain things. I mean, my Star Wars things were very valuable to me. And when I was done playing with them, I always put them back in the toy box. And uh, I was fortunate enough. I think it was probably uh, some influence from my mom, uh, but, you know, not to get rid of that stuff, to put it away in storage. I had a big wooden army trunk that we had got from uh, a garage sale and... (laughs) there's a scene in the beginning of ninja three the domination i think where uh the ninja the main ninja goes to the bad ninja goes to the cave and he opens up this rock and there's this display of all his weapons and so uh that was the first thing i used this trunk for was i put my ninja suit and stuff in there (laughs) and my weapons and by the way my weapons were a wooden sword and foam nunchucks and foam throwing stars, you know, and then later real throwing stars, but I had it all in this trunk. So I would open it and I would be like, this is my secret ninja stash, you know? Um, But eventually all my Star Wars stuff went in that trunk and just went into storage. And so it was really preserved and, and kept together as a collection. So again, I'm really lucky to have all those things, but I did not keep all the toys from my childhood and it's, One of the things, I guess one of those big mysteries of life is some of the ones that are gone, I don't remember what happened to them. So I've listed three examples here. Uh, The first is Shogun Warriors. Now, if you're not familiar with Shogun Warriors, these were these, uh, I mean, I guess you would call it an action figure, but they were two foot tall. And they were Japanese Uh, I I believe they were on the same scale. I always thought of them as people who would fight with Godzilla. Um, But there were, I don't know, half a dozen different Shogun warriors. Um, They all had different names. The one, one of the two that I had was called Dragoon. Um, And uh, it might be Dragun. It's G-U-N, you know, but we always called him Dragoon. Uh, And he was this kind of samurai looking guy. He was red and blue and he had this, uh, uh, the thing that shot throwing stars that attached to one wrist and on his other wrist he could throw battle axes. Of course, these things had a million pieces that would go missing. There was a, another guy I had that had these yellow horns that came out of his head and he had these missiles that snapped onto his shoulder and then it was spring-loaded. You put the the missiles in his chest and you would press a button on the back and it would shoot these missiles. And A lot of these guys had fists that would fly off. I think that's why I, I associate them with – Godzilla, because that large Godzilla figure also had a fist that would fly off, you know. Um, So I had two of those. I don't remember how much they cost at the time. They couldn't have been cheap. And I have no recollection. I mean, zero recollection as to what happened to these things. Um, Maybe I got rid of them at a garage sale, or maybe we just threw them away. Or like, I just don't remember. But I would love to have them today. Uh, I've looked at replacing these and I mean, you're looking at two two $250 uh, for a complete version of these guys and that's not in the box or anything. And I, I kept mine in the box because they were just so tall and big, you know, it was easy to stack them in the closet. So yeah, that's definitely one thing that uh, not only do I not have, but I just don't have any recollection of of what happened to them. A second thing that I had a few of as a kid were mad balls. Now I didn't have that many. There was one that actually looked like a baseball. I know I had that one. There was a green one where what his eye was bulging out of his of his head and he had stitches around the top. Uh, so I know I had that one. There might have been one other one that I had. I don't I mean, I think my dad had one that looked like a mummy, and then I inherited it eventually. You know, as kids do. Um, those are so small that I don't i mean it doesn't seem like something I would have thrown away over time, but maybe because they were kind of that foam latex, maybe they got too hot, maybe they rotted or or you know cracked or something over time uh but uh I don't have those anymore, and i there's this picture that I have put out there of me sitting at my computer desk I'm wearing my Don Johnson gray jacket. And I'm sitting at the Commodore, and, and uh, recently I saw this picture floating around on the internet, which is fine with me. That's great. I don't care. Um, but on the desk is that baseball mad ball. It's sitting there, and I remember having it on the desk. So I don't, again, don't really remember what happened to it, but. Uh, uh, I would like to have some of those again, and I know that they remade them later, like in the mid-2000s. I don't know if they're identical. If they're identical, then I don't mind getting a newer one, and I wouldn't mind getting a, a few of those. Now, I, I will say a few years ago, they released a series of horror movie-related Madballs, and I bought them all. They were on sale at Best Buy, and I bought, I think there were eight of them. It was like Freddy and um, uh, Jason, and the Predator, and all these people, and I bought all those, so um, it would be nice to have some of those original Mad Balls to put on display next to those. The third thing that I have on my list is Charlie McCarthy, my ventriloquist doll that I had got as a child. I got this in 1981 or 1982, somewhere around there, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember... What would have made a kid who was seven or eight years old interested in ventriloquism in the first place? You know, Uh, I remember the television show Soap was on around that time, and there was uh, Bob and Chuck, who was one of the, the, main characters and he had a ventriloquist doll that he treated real as a real person and so it could have been that and also Edgar Bergen who was the person who created Charlie McCarthy made a cameo appearance in the Muppet movie with Charlie McCarthy so it could have also been that Uh, I remember getting the doll for Christmas it came with a little card that told you how to do ventriloquism. Like, you would be able to learn the art of ventriloquism with (laughs) instructions that are on a business card. (laughs) It it said, instead of using the letter W, use a V. So, you could go, welcome to my house. (laughs) That's a joke that only works on video. If you're on audio, I don't know the ventriloquism works, joke, uh, or jokes will work. But, Anyway, um, I do remember losing pieces of Charlie McCarthy over the time. Uh, He had a hat, and then the hat went missing. He had shoes that came off, and I lost one of the shoes. I took it to school a few times, and I think, you know, maybe kids took pieces off him. He had a monocle, and I lost that. And so I I think – and then at some point with those cheap ventriloquist dolls, what happens is either the string that controls the jaw breaks – or the jaw itself, the hinges break. There's little pegs where it goes in. And uh, so something happened. I do remember that it, it quit working. And so, you know, you tossed it. And and um, that's what happened to him. So I don't necessarily feel a need to replace him. Although I have looked at, occasionally I look at ventral crystals <laughs> on eBay. Um, but uh, I don't, I have not replaced him. So there you go. So there are three things, Brent M., uh, that I don't have any longer from my childhood. Two of the three I would like to have. I would really like to get uh, a Shogun Warrior, and I would really like to get some of those uh, vintage Mad Madballs. Uh, real quick, let me plug Patreon. Uh, my Patreon page is patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. All the people that have signed up there are the people that are funding the shows and making all this possible. I'm continually adding things to the show, buying things, trying to make the show better. And those are the people that are making that happen. So if you are a Patreon supporter, uh, you get behind the scene blog posts, you get weekly videos, access to the Amiga Retro Gaming Discord server and all sorts of other additional perks. So if you want to go to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara, you can find more. I have an 8-bit plan that's $4 a month, which is essentially $1 per show. And then there's a 16-bit plan, uh, which is $10 a month. And then recently, I added, uh, Patreon was trying to get me to enable yearly payments. And I did that, and a few people have changed it to yearly, which is, Uh, A good way to make me keep doing this show forever, because I'll never quit. (laughs) If people have signed up for a whole year's worth of podcasts, I won't stop doing it. So if you want the show to go on forever, (laughs) boy, is that blackmail, you can go and just support the show for a year, uh, and then I'm obligated. Uh, If you have feedback about this or any episode of my shows, you can email me directly at O'Hara at RobOHara.com. You can join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Robcast. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave a message on my podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. With that, the show's notes have loaded, so let's get started talking about this week's topic, which is Lego. You have to forgive me. I'm still trying to get my audio levels. (laughs) That was a little loud. (laughs) My apologies to that. Uh, And speaking of apologies, Seth Meyers from the uh, show Late Night with Seth Meyers, the comedian formerly from Saturday Night Live, has been doing some stories about Legos recently on his show. And many of his listeners have been writing in, and he says, politely correcting him, that the plural of Lego is Lego. Um, You cannot, it's not grammatically correct to say Legos. Now, um, you're supposed to say, I believe you're supposed to say Lego bricks. That is the way to pluralize uh, the idea. But if you say, if you drop a Lego uh, one brick, you can say, oh, pick up that Lego. But if you dropped a hundred, you could also say, Pick up that Lego. And so Seth Meyers addressed this on his show. I believe this was last week. And he basically said, I get it. He said, you are right, but I am too old. (laughs) I cannot change my ways. And I cannot be saved. I believe this is uh, the direct quote was, I cannot be saved. So I feel like I align. I agree with Seth Meyers. I do understand that the plural of Lego is Lego and that you're not supposed to say Legos. Uh, I can only say that old habits die hard. I've been using the word Legos for 42 years now. So uh, on this podcast, you may hear me use the word Legos instead of Lego. Uh, And if you do hear that, there is no need to email me. I will just tell you in advance uh, that I'm sorry (laughs) that I'm trying my best, but uh, it happens to the best of us. Lego is an abbreviation of two Danish words. Uh, I'm going to butcher this. I believe it's leg and goat, G-O-D-T, which means play well. Uh, Coincidentally, in Latin, it also means I put together, even though that was not the original meaning of the word Lego. Uh, Lego as a company was founded by O. Kirk Christensen. In 1932, he began building wooden blocks that connected. So Lego was originally made out of wood. And 1934 is when he came up with the name Lego. But he wanted later, like a a few years later, a decade later, he wanted to expand into plastic. And so in 1947, he bought a plastic injection mold machine. And when he bought this machine, they came and demonstrated another product which was being made, and it was from a company called Kitty Craft, and they were making a product called Kitty Craft Self-Locking Bricks. Uh, Now, these were patented in the United Kingdom, uh, but I guess that doesn't apply to old Danish Kurt (laughs) Christensen. So, they showed him how to make these new plastic bricks, and he said, I think I'll just make those. And so, he took Uh, These plastic interlocking bricks that KittyCraft were making and changed them ever so slightly. I looked up pictures of the original KittyCraft blocks and from... A foot away, they look just like a Lego brick. But on the tops of them, the parts that, uh, I, I guess you would say, like the little knobs that are on the top, they have a little extra rounded piece on the top of them. It almost looks like a nipple, uh, like from a, a baby bottle or something. But um, so on, and of course, a Lego, those pieces on the top are flat, and then they have the word Lego uh, written on them. But um in nineteen forty nine they he changed from the wooden blocks and they began selling uh these plastic versions of legos now um the those were not the the Legos I would say that we are familiar with. Um, they they didn't snap together the right way, um, and uh, they they didn't they weren't strong when they connected. And so there were some tweaks made over time. But basically, what I saw was in 1958 uh, was when the Lego that we know uh, of Legos, like when we we you see a Lego, that's when those were released. Was 1958. So if you saw a Lego brick from 1958, it would essentially look identical to uh, the ones that we have. And that is when uh, the design was filed in Denmark. Uh, it says January 28th, 1958. Now, there was an interesting story that I read that said eventually other when other companies started trying to build bricks that were similar to Lego, Lego wanted to sue them, but really couldn't because they had stolen the idea from KittyCraft. And so before... They proceeded with the lawsuit. they purchased Kittycraft, <laughs> so then they could you know honestly say that they owned the uh, the i p connected to this so i don't know kind of an interesting background to Lego um, I was born in. Well, I was going to say I was born in a house, I was I was born in a hospital, but uh, the house that my parents lived in when I was born, we lived there for the first four years of my life, and I did not own Legos when I lived there, mostly, I mean, you know, I was a little kid, so mostly I had uh, little Fisher Price, the little, you know, kid type of stuff, I had the Fisher Price, Sesame Street Block, I had, oh, you know little I had little kid toys, but I didn't have Lego, you know. Uh and so really I don't feel like I started getting the toys that I saved later throughout my childhood and, and even adulthood until we moved to the house that I really grew up in, which we moved to in the summer of nineteen seventy eight, before right before I turned five years old and before I started kindergarten. Uh, Now, I never had any Duplo blocks. If you're familiar with Lego Duplo, they are, um, I only knew them as being a larger version of Lego. And to be honest with you, I didn't realize they were actually made by Lego. Uh, Duplo blocks were introduced in 1969. And I didn't realize this either, but they are exactly Twice the size of a regular Lego block, so they are twice uh, uh, as wide and twice as tall. So they are actually compatible with regular Lego blocks. I did not know this at all. Um, so I do remember, like, I don't know, maybe in kindergarten, maybe going over to a friends' house seeing uh, Duplo blocks. But I mean, even as a little kid, I thought, well, those are for babies. <laughs> so I don't know what age. They're really designed for. But as a a young kid, uh, I I just, I never had them. And I always, no matter what age I was, I felt like they were for uh, kids that were younger than I was. Now, when we moved to this house in 1978, I remember that when we got there, we didn't have a lot of our stuff unpacked. And I don't, you know, as a kid, it's hard to judge times. Maybe this was a week or two weeks or whatever. But I, I remember that I didn't have access to a lot of my toys. And so, I believe this is when my mom bought me my first Lego kit. And so, as things were being moved, uh, you know, things like that were, were being unpacked, I sat in the living room at our table and played Lego. And so I have this picture. Again, if you're watching the video, then you can see the picture of a five-year-old me sitting in the living room. And I have built uh, what appears to be a combination between a house and a car. Uh, early Legos were only available in six colors. They were black and white, red and blue, yellow, and then there were clear bricks as well. Uh, also in those early ones, they had green for building plates so that you could build houses and things on top of, uh, uh, these green plates. And then I had green trees and all the trees were shaped like Christmas trees. <laughs> they were just these triangles. Uh, they didn't have fancy shapes for trees yet. Uh, I also had a lot of roof pieces. They were, I think all the ones I had were blue, but they were these little sloped, uh, blue slopes that you could make house roofs out of. And there were little grills and grates and some arches, and I remember having window shutters, and then again lots of wheels. Um, but everything that I had with my very first set was really designed to either build a car or a house. So that was pretty much it. So you could build different cars or different houses, but that that was kind of it. You know, it, you um, there weren't any specialized pieces for building things. Those didn't come for a few more years. Now, there was an evolution of Lego people <laughs> that came. And the very first ones I had are referred to as Lego family. If you've never seen these, the the it really just has like the upper torso, and it's a two-by-two two block. And in the middle of that two-by-two two block is a hole, and this big head snapped into it, and it had a big round head with a face on the front. And you had interchangeable some different hair uh, or hats and then on the sides of that block that held the head were those little things I don't know what you call them but they were like interlocking almost like a a interlocking piece where you could make uh, long arms you know and then at the end of the arms uh, their hands were these round circles uh, that were hollow in the middle so that if you had like a staff or a stick. You could put it through the middle of their hand, but the top of their hand was also like a Lego piece, so you could stick things to them if uh, they were going to hold a brick or hold, you know, a plate or something like that. Uh, Those were released in 1974. I definitely have several of those. I still have them. They're mixed in with all my other Legos. Uh, In 1975, they moved to a much smaller figure, which scale-wise is almost the same as Lego people or Lego figures or minifigs, whatever you want to call them, that we know today. Um, but they were much less articulate. They really consisted of sometimes three, sometimes four pieces. They had, um, from the torso down, a set of legs, but it was all one piece. The legs didn't move. It was it didn't bend over nothing. It was just, you know, legs. And then there was the torso, which had kind of a suggestion of arms on the side, but the hands would have been in the pocket. So there were no arms. It was just a torso. And then you could put the head on the top, and it was the same size and shape of the modern minifigures, but they didn't have a face on them. So they were just kind of this faceless little thing. And then uh, they didn't have hair back then, but some of them had hats. So you could put a hat on it. And sometimes you would use the skinnier yellow brick to be the head and for some reason i always thought of these guys as laurel and hardy (laughs) because one had the big round head and one had the smaller head uh but that was it so you know you had something that looked like a person and the one good thing about it is it's really half the scale of those early lego people so you didn't have to build things quite so big i mean when you built a car for that lego family it was going to be giant but you know if you built one for these uh um little smaller figures it was a lot better and then the first minifigures came out in 1978 and those are essentially the figures that we know today uh you know they have the articulated arms they have the little hook hands the little c-shaped hands or u-shaped hands that can snap in things they have legs that move they have heads that have happy faces on them and then they have um you know either hair or a a hat or a helmet or whatever. But those came out in 1978. Now, later, they began changing them slightly. And the way that they were changed a little bit in the future is that the faces became different. The the eyes, sometimes the eyes now have a little white dot in the middle of them. Uh, Some of them have eyebrows where a lot of they didn't have eyebrows back then. Uh, But they also changed uh, skin tones. Um, when the uh, original Lego figures were made, they were made to be yellow because they said they did not want them you know no they wouldn't didn't want them to be associated with any particular race. they were just Lego people uh, but later on they did change and add skin tones they made um, uh, they lightened it for some of the characters uh, there are uh, African American. Uh, they started those with uh basketball figures. they made famous basketball players and and of course you you know you'd want to have an appropriate skin tone for those, so that was kind of when those changed but that was many years in the future. I mean the Lego figure that you think of today really started in nineteen seventy eight the uh one of the things that you had to do once you you started collecting Legos is you had to keep them in something. Now, they did sell officially branded Lego boxes, and there were Lego like buckets, like a pail, but I didn't have any of those things. What I had was the lid from one of those Tupperware cake carriers. So, uh, if you think of this cake carrier, the bottom is just a, a square, plastic square that has a handle that goes all the way around it, but the lid would go over a cake to protect it right and so if you flip that upside down it becomes you know a carryable tub and so that's what we called it my tub of legos or my lego tub <laughs> and that's where i kept all my legos uh, some people did keep the original boxes and they would when they were done they would sort the lego all back to where it went or whatever i was not that kid i was perfectly content with throwing them all in the tub uh, I did save the instruction booklets that came with the kits that taught you how to put things together, but uh, but I did not save the boxes. I was perfectly happy, like I said, just throwing the Lego into this, uh, you know, big plastic bin, and that's, that's where I stored them. So, you know, I had the one or two sets. I had a set, you know, to build a house. I had a set to build a car. Right? You, know, so you got some wheels, you got some bricks, you got some roof pieces maybe if you're lucky, a window or two. Um, But that's what I was building. I was building houses and I was building cars. And occasionally I was building cars that look like houses. (laughs) was pretty much the extent of what I was doing. And then my mom bought me this book from the store. Uh, This book was called The Idea Book, The Lego Idea Book. And um the one that I had says Lego Idea Book number two. I never had number one. <laughs> Although I don't, it's not like a sequel. <laughs> you don't have to have read. <laughs> Number one, to know what's going on in number two. What's going on in number two is Lego building, just like what happened in number one. Uh, There's also a price on the front of the book, and it says 99 cents. And I believe this book is 64 pages long, and it is glossy paper and full color. So this is a bargain for a dollar. This book is filled with all kinds of crazy things that you can build. Some of them... There's no instructions. It's just pages of things that people built. You know, I, page three has eleven different cars on it, and they're just presented in this isometric view where you look at it and you go, "All right, maybe I can build that." You know, it wasn't like, "Hey, here's how to build this." It was, "Here's something we built." Now, some of the more advanced things that are in the book, it will show multiple steps. And in fact, on the front of the book. There's some sort of utility truck that they've built that has a ladder on top and it's yellow and red. And it does show four panels where if you looked at it, you could see, oh, okay, this is how the structure was built. This is how to to put this thing together. So there were some, especially the bigger models that were included or more advanced models, there were multiple steps. But it wasn't like a Lego book where it would have, you know, 50 steps. It was like you got three steps. <laughs> if you were lucky. I don't think the book has any words in it at all. I think it's just a picture book. And what was really fun this week while researching this episode, I remembered that I had this book. I didn't remember what the name of it was, but a quick Google search turned up the entire book online multiple places in PDF format. And I had a really good time going back and looking at these pictures. It really brought back a lot of memories. Um, One of the concepts That this book introduced to me was this idea of building large, I don't know really how to explain it, two-dimensional things. There are some pictures of, like, birds and animals and things, and they're not like a 3D thing you would build. It would be like, imagine if you just built it completely flat, like it would lay flat on your desk. So, you could stand it up and it would be tall, but it would just be one brick thin. And I never thought of building things like that before with Lego. So, uh, it was really... An eye-opening moment for me in Lego was the idea that you could build all these different uh, types of things. Now, I had a lot of friends that would come over and play Lego. I would also go to their house uh, and play Lego. I had two different friends, uh, both named Andy. And uh, Andy, the one is Andy Willrath, the, the uh, Andy that I interviewed on You Don't Know Flack uh, during the uh, 200th episode. And I don't think he had any Lego, but when he came over to my house, we would always play Lego. We would, uh, you know, sit down and, and my mom came up with this idea that we used the rest of the time that I had Lego. And she would toss a sheet down and just, you know, lay a sheet on the floor. And then we would dump all the Lego out, which made it so much easier to find what you were looking for. And when you were done, you would pick up the sheet and put it into whatever the container was, you know, later on, I had a, like a bucket or a, um, a plastic tub, and you would put it in there. And then you would just slowly pull the sheet out and all the Legos would be in there. I had shag brown carpet in my bedroom. And if you were to just put the Lego on the the floor, I mean, the pieces would get lost. So this was a great way to not lose your Lego. So when Andy would come over, that's what we would do. We'd put a sheet on the floor and we would sit down there and and, uh, you know play Lego. The other thing that I remember is coming up with the names for the different bricks. You know, we would say like, um, you know, a one by four, like you would say, oh, okay. Or you would say a thin one by four. And, and so you would know what the difference of those. I don't know that anybody ever told us what the names of those are. I need a wing. I need a, you know, we just came up with the names and, and you understood what those things were. So when you were digging, you're trying to build something that was, you know, symmetrical and you're looking for the wing that would go on the other side, you'd say, hey, you, you seen this wing and stuff? And I also remember digging through the pile of Legos and pulling out the pieces that I knew that I wanted. Like if I was going to build a race car, you know, you would go through and you'd be digging and you'd find the wheels and you just pull them aside because you knew, uh, you know, you were going to eventually need to use those. Now with my little <laughs> Lego tub, it made it portable. And I don't think that I took it to a lot of friends' houses. But one thing I do remember is taking it to the bowling alley. Now, my mom was on a bowling league. And I think every Wednesday, she would go bowl for like, I don't know, two or three hours. And she would give us a few quarters. There were a few arcade games at the bowling alley. There was a pool table. Um, But your money would run out in a hurry. You know, there's also jukebox. And, you know, if you got four quarters... And there's three arcade games and a jukebox and a pinball machine. You know, you just that money's not going to last for two or three hours, right? Uh, so I would take my Lego and I would sit, you know, at the the little I don't know bar top that's behind where the the bowling happens, and I would sit there and build things. And one of the things I remember doing is there was a Galaxian machine over in the bowling alley's arcade, and I would go over there and look at the little aliens in Galaxian. And I would come back and try to build those with Lego. And we came up with a little way to build them that used like a two by four and two of the ramp pieces for legs. And we would, um, you know, put little things on the top kind of for their eyes. And it was really simple. And I had a million of those pieces. So we would build armies (laughs) of the Galaxian pieces and lay them out and try to put them in the the formation of the game and things like that. So uh, I I definitely remember, you know, trying to replicate, I guess you would say, arcade sprites at a young age with LEGO, which it really lends itself to because LEGOs are so uh, small and blocky, and so were those arcade sprites at the time, you know. Now, again, those early sets that I had were pretty basic. They had building blocks. You could build square things, you know. Um, but a year or so later, they started releasing these space sets. I believe they started in 1978. And when the space sets started coming out, I couldn't get enough of them. I loved the space sets. Um, first of all, I guess along the same lines of, you know, when you bought a house set, you could build different houses, Right. When you got a space set, you could build the spaceship that was intended, you know, that the instructions would show you how to build. But you could build a million different kinds of space sets because you had a windshield. Now you had rockets, you had wings, you had antenna, you had all these little things that could be reconfigured into a million different types of um, spaceships. You know, I remember having the little radar dishes and the little booster rockets and all those kind of pieces. Um, and it's funny that I associate different colors with different eras. I mean, when you think about the Lego space, you know, I only think of gray. So I didn't have any gray Lego before the space kits came out. And all of a sudden I had a lot of gray pieces. You got a lot of gray platforms. You got all, you know, a lot of specialized gray, uh, little pieces. I got a, uh, a, a couple of those, um, uh, building platforms that had, moon craters on them so you could build uh, your little space base or things like that you know um but again back to the the um you know, the example that I was saying with the house, when you got house pieces, you could build houses. Well, with the space thing, you could build spaceships. Like, you, can, you know, you're not going to build an ice cream truck with space wings or whatever. I don't know. I guess you could. And with Legos, you can build whatever you want, you know. But I got multiple space things. And, and again, because I didn't keep them separated, uh, you know, you could use any of the space parts for any kind of spaceship or whatever. And I was super into all those little moon buggies and, of course, uh, the minifigs that came with these were all astronauts, and they were all one color, right? So it would be uh, a white astronaut, and he would have white pants and a white torso and white gloves on and the white helmet and the little white uh, oxygen tank <laughs> so that he could breathe. And then you got the red guy, and then you got you know the blue guy and the yellow guy, and it was so cool to have all these different little astronauts to build your little army. Um, And I don't remember how many of those guys I had at that time. I mean, not very many. But then I got the Lego kit that would change everything for me. And that is the Yellow Castle. (laughs) Now, the Yellow Castle, I don't remember at the time, but I want to say it was like $40 or $50. It was the most expensive Lego kit, I think, at that time. And I didn't get it from my parents. I got it from a relative. And I remember it caused some sort of controversy that they had sent me such an expensive gift. Um, but the Legoland Castle, uh, it was originally released in 1978. Now, I don't think I got it until maybe 1980 or 81. Uh, right off the bat, it came with 14 figures. So all of a sudden, you had a lot of medieval looking. You had soldiers, you had knights, you had all these cool pieces. The Legoland castle, the yellow castle, which most people refer to it as the yellow castle, because later they came out with castles that had uh, that were gray and had light gray and dark gray and things like that. But it's kind of an odd choice when you see the yellow castle, but everybody knows it by that name. Uh, this kit has 779 pieces. It was Huge. It was the biggest Lego thing I owned. I didn't like the fact that a lot of the pieces wanted you to put stickers on them, so the the knights had their little tunics that went you know there it went over the head hole, <laughs> so it draped around the figure, but there were different coats of arms, so you had to put stickers on those you had to put stickers on the uh the shields that the guys had yet there were flags that had stickers, so I never really enjoyed that part of Lego because it made those pieces where you couldn't use them for other things, but other than that. Uh, it was just a really, really great uh, building set. It had a working drawbridge in the front, uh, so you could raise and lower it with the, uh, you know, this little winch that you would turn and s- turn it, and there was a little string that connected to it. Uh, but what was even cooler was in the back, the towers were built in such a way that there were hinges. And so as you, you could open up the towers and it became more than a Lego kit, this became a playset. So once it was done, you know, completely assembled, you had all these people, you built horses uh, and you would, you know, you could play with it. And so that, this was like mind blowing to me. Like I remember as a kid, this was the first thing I built with Lego that I didn't want to disassemble because... I mean, if you think about it, you know, the fun in building spaceships was building spaceships. And you'd you'd, go, you'd make little spaceship noises. And when you're done, you'd take it apart and, and throw it back in the bin, you know. But this thing you could actually play with like a toy. And, of course, the other thing was what were you going to do with a million or not a million, but 779, <laughs> some subset of that, yellow pieces. You know, like you weren't going to build yellow cars with drawbridges on them. I mean, there's only so many things that you could make you know, again, building type structures, things like that. But um uh it so it I will say one thing, like once you owned the yellow castle and you looked in the tub of Legos, like my tub of Legos, all of a sudden there was a lot of yellow pieces. <laughs> I mean, you just added eight hundred pieces, most of which were yellow. So I started adding a lot of yellow <laughs> to the things that I built in the future for sure. But that was um again, it was just kind of that mind-blowing moment where you go. A lot of the fun is in building and in creating, but also with this, all of a sudden, it was with playing with the final result. Now, I don't remember what all minifigures I got, but, uh, you know, there were 14 in that Yellow Castle set. So all of a sudden, you had 14 guys. Um, And then you had the space people. And then there were also like the town and city. Like there was a gas station Kit, there was a you know a house kit, and you would get minifigures in those, and so and of course you could mix and match uh, and and put different things together or whatever, uh, but mostly with their their hats or headwear or whatever you could tell who the people were, and they all had the same face, they just had two eyes and a smile, so they were all pretty interchangeable you know now one thing that i never really thought about and it's interesting looking back at this era of lego is that um i don't know really how to say this but like the astronaut like i don't know if it's a boy or if it's a girl you know it's just an astronaut you know and the the but you kind of assume they were boys i did and you had all these people in the castle. You kind of assumed those were boys. And then you had all these people working in the gas station. And they had hats. And they had all this. And I assumed they were boys. Then they released things for girls, girl minifigs, but they all had hair. So, you know, if it was someone who worked or had the job, it seemed like those were male figures. If it was the female figure they just had hair, long hair, and you would go, oh, that's a girl Lego. And it's just kind of an interesting thing. Like, it's something that I never really thought about. Um, but it is, it, it's an interesting thing that you, when you think about that, was something that was kind of inbred into our childhood, that the men Legos all had the jobs, and then the women Legos figures just had long hair. Like, they weren't identified with a job or something. And so, uh, I think... The Legos that they do today are much more aware of that, but back in the you know 60s and 70s uh, and, and 80s, that wasn't um, uh, I won't say as much of a concern, but people just it wasn't an awareness issue. So that that's something that has that uh, has changed over time. Uh, another cool thing about the minifigs is that it didn't matter if you got duplicates. You know, I I think a lot about Star Wars. I associate things with Star Wars because I was such a big Star Wars kid. And there were figures that it was okay to have multiples of, like Stormtroopers. You know, there's a lot of Stormtroopers in Star Wars. So if you got a second one or a third one or whatever at your birthday party, you'd go, all right, cool. You know, I got a Death Star. I can put a Stormtrooper in there. It's not a big deal and have two or three. But if you got two Han Solo's, or two loops, it's like, what am I going to do with this? Like, you can't have two loops at the same time, you know. But these Lego minifigures, none of them had names. It wasn't like, you know, Bob the Astronaut. It was just Red Astronaut. And so if you had two Red Astronauts, you built a ship for two Red Astronauts, or one guy stayed at the base, or if you had 100 Red Astronauts, it just didn't matter. So that was kind of, I mean, that was a good way that they did that where, uh, you know, you weren't worried about duplication of, of, of the minifigures. I also feel being somewhat obsessed at the time with the accessories that came with minifigures. You know, again, you had those figures that worked in the gas station, like there were wrenches and, and little hammers. Uh, the space... Figures, the outer space astronauts, had walkie-talkies like CBs, and they had a metal detector, some sort of thing. And they, they even had guns. They had laser blasters and stuff, which I think uh, they've got away with over time. And um, it, just all these things that you can – oh, and of course, uh, you know, the knights, right? They had swords, and they had lances, and they had shields. And and um, so they're just a lot of little accessories, which – I probably should have kept it a separate, you know, like a sandwich baggie or something. But I just remember digging through Lego a lot, trying to, to find, uh, you know, the pieces that I was looking for. Now, the good thing about Lego was that all Lego kits worked with all other Lego kits. So, if you got two space. you could just bash them together and make bigger space thing or a bunch of small space things or whatever, or you wanted to use bricks from a house or whatever. Uh, It just didn't matter. uh, Everything connected with everything. But there were a few off-brand, and I say off-brand, what I should just say is just not compatible with Lego. And one of those things was Tente, T-E-N-T-E. Tente came out in 1972, so it was long after LEGO had been established, and they specialized in commercial and military vehicles. I had a couple of different boats. I had this big warship, and I found a picture of the one that I had. It has little like rescue boats that plug in the scale for a lot of the Tente kits are different than LEGO. It's much smaller. Uh, So, you know, if you imagine like a Lego, there would be an entire, you know, helicopter that fit on this Tente boat that covers like two little Lego squares, you know, so so it was much smaller so you could build more detailed or more, you know, larger uh, scale things. I do have a memory of building this Tente boat and taking it out. We had one of those kiddie pools in my, in our backyard and taking it out there and like floating it around and stuff, which is something I don't think I would have done. Uh, with Legos, but uh, even if you got the crappiest (laughs) Lego kit for your birthday, you could toss it in with the other Legos and who cares? It's more Legos, right? But when you got Tente, they didn't work with Legos. They didn't quite fit. They didn't snap together and you couldn't use those pieces for other stuff. And so you didn't want to mix that stuff in with your Legos. So I had a little separate thing for the Tente pieces. And that was like, you know, it's like that birthday when someone gives you a shirt and it doesn't fit or a sweater or something. You're just like, uh thanks for the Tente, Grandma. I mean, I'm sure it's some, you know, well-meaning relative that bought you something that they don't know the difference between Lego and Tente or whatever. Or they didn't care, right? <laughs> They're like, ah, he'll build that. Uh, tente was in business from 1972 to 1993, uh, and there's lots of tinté available on eBay. I looked at it, but I, it's, I don't have enough of a draw towards it to uh, uh, to want to pick any up. Now, I told you that when my friends would come over, we would play Lego. Uh, Andy would come over. And one of the things we would do is we would draw up colors. So I would say, okay, I call gray and yellow And Andy would say, okay, I call red and blue. And and so you could only build things using those colors. Of course, I, you know, being the, the, having the house advantage and the owner of the Legos, would always call gray because gray got you all the cool uh, outer space pieces, you know. But Andy liked to build buildings and things like that. So red and blue was just fine for him. And then Andy's little brother, Matt, Uh, Matt was in between ages. He was older than my younger sister, but he was younger than Andy and I. And so uh, sometimes he would play with the girls. Sometimes he would come in and play with us. And when he came in and played with us, we would always be mean to him. (laughs) And so I remember we would like give him the worst colors. Like I remember one time saying, you can only build things in white and see through colors. (laughs) So, um, you know, he would just make it as miserable as possible <laughs> for him. Uh, or like we would say, you have to use green, which meant that you only got, you know, the platforms and trees. <laughs> and he would like try to build a car <laughs> that was all white with trees on the hood. And we were like, what are you doing? You know, but uh, so I definitely remember uh, a lot of that. Now, one of the thing about Lego is that when you got these different kits, like the space kits or, um, the castle kit. Sometimes you got pieces that were unique to that kit only. And my other friend, Andy, who lived down the street, had a kit called the command center. It was the Lego space command center. It had this giant radar dish on the top and it was blue and it had these astronauts inside. There was a little buggy and, um, Uh, You know, it was kind of like a little command thing. It was built on one of the gray bases, one of the moon crater bases. But it had this one piece, and it was like a big, giant, big screen TV that had a picture of the moon and an astronaut and stuff. It was the coolest Lego piece. And um, we were playing Legos at his house one day, and he had left the room or something, and I took that piece. I, like, I mean, we were probably eight, and I'm 47, and I still feel guilty about it. I should mail it to him. I should take that piece and mail it back to him right now. I probably still have it, you know. Um, But I was like, I just love that piece so much. And uh, I put it in my pocket, and I went home. And I remember he came over one time, and he was like, hey, I lost that piece, and now it's here. And I was like, oh, you know, I must have got it with some kit. And it only came with that one kit, and I didn't have that kit, you know. And so I know that he knew that I took it. I really, like, now that I think about it, I feel bad. And the worst part was I couldn't use it. Like, if he was around, I couldn't build anything with that because I didn't even know that it was there. You know, I, I think he did, um, you know, eventually call me out. Like, he busted me with it, and, and I was like, no, I just found that one piece somewhere magically in the dirt. <laughs> But, yeah, I was rotten. So, Andy, if you're listening out there, I'm sorry. Um, Now, one of the things about our rules as far as building LEGO is that when you were done, that was it. Like, when we were done playing LEGO for the day, you took everything you built, you took it apart, and you threw it back in the tub. Now, there may have been slight exceptions, like if you built a small buggy or a small car, you might toss it into the top of the tub. But anything that was big, it got broken up, and uh, and thrown back in there, you know. So uh, uh, that was one thing that was about Lego was you enjoyed the experience. You know, you built it. You played with it. But when it was over, that was it. It was not like something that you put up on a shelf and you saved or whatever. You took the pieces apart and then, you know, you would use them the next time. Now, there were a couple of different things that I used Lego for as I started getting a little older, this was like fifth grade, I guess fourth, fifth grade somewhere around there and one of the things I did was I made a movie we had a a video camera v h s camera, and I made a Star Wars movie one time, and so I'd got figures out and I'd made some backgrounds, I drew backgrounds on paper, and I'd taped them to a box. Uh, And I wanted a scene where I had um, speeder bikes flying through the forest, but I didn't own the speeder bike toy. So I made one out of Lego and then (laughs) I made a little cardboard uh, cross. And taped it together and put strings on it like a marionette thing, you know, like a thing that control marionettes. And I put strings that went down and snapped them into in between blocks. And so, I made this kind of marionette controlled speeder bike and then i put a real figure on top of it a real star wars i had the biker scout so i put the figure on top and then i would set up the camera and i would fly this thing past the camera and if you moved it fast enough you couldn't uh, tell that it was lego i mean it just kind of looks like a big blob thing but uh uh but Anyway, there was a scene in my movie where uh, the speeder bike was going to explode. And so I built an even smaller, a really small version of the speeder bike, and I didn't snap it together. and I taped strings to all the different pieces. And so then when I hit record, uh, I grabbed all the strings and pulled them apart so all the pieces would kind of tumble apart. Of course, it didn't work very well, but, you know, in my head, I was <laughs> I was making models and blowing them up. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, in my head, you would not be able to uh, distinguish this from Hollywood special effects. Uh, This is another picture that I do have on the the video. And if you look at it, I mean, it very obviously looks like a small pile of Legos with strings on it. So um, in my head, in my imagination, it must have uh, looked better than it actually did. But it didn't look very good in the the final film. Uh, One other thing that I used Legos for was in fifth grade, we had signed up for a project, and one of the things that you could do was build a maze for a mouse to run through. And so, uh, you know, I, some of the people were like, oh, my dad is going to help me do woodworking or this and that. But I, I just thought, well, I could build um, a maze out of Lego. And so I got one of those building plates, and I built a little maze out of Lego. And I don't know, I made it three or four bricks tall or whatever, and took it to school. And one of my classmates had a hamster or something and brought it to school. And we were going to let this hamster run through people's mazes. And not very many people built mazes, three or four people, I think. But um, when I got mine out, I just remember underestimating how large a hamster is. (laughs) because this thing just walked over the top of my maze. I mean it wouldn't even fit in the stupid walls that I'd made. I mean I had made a maze, I think to the proper scale if the actual minifigures had a pet hamster. If they had a hamster, it would have worked great. <laughs> but a real life hamster, this didn't work at all. <laughs> They just walked right over the top of it. So, um, but it was a great looking maze. Like, I remember spending a lot of time building the maze, but it didn't work at all. Now, the funny thing about Lego is, uh, I remember playing with Andy building things, and even, uh, like fifth grade. I mean, this was fifth grade when I had, uh, built this maze. This was probably fourth or fifth grade when I made uh, that Star Wars movie where I had built the speeder bikes, but I became friends with Jeff in seventh grade. And I don't think that I ever, ever played Legos with Jeff. in fact, I'm sure that we never played Lego, uh, you know, together. So I don't, I guess it was an age thing where like in grade school, you know, up until grade school, it was cool. And then by the time, you know, you hit seventh grade, Lego was not cool at all. Now, one of the things that Lego tried to do to make Lego cool, I suppose, is they released a series of commercials. And in 1987 uh, was the one that I remember, and it starred Zack, Zack. He's the Lego Maniac. So in 1987, we got Zack the Lego Maniac. And fortunately, there were no kids in my school named Zack at the time. But I imagine across America, every kid named Zack was referred to as a Lego Maniac. I don't know if Lego got complaints or I I got a feeling that it was hard to relate to because there weren't very many people I don't think named Zack. Because in 1989, they did another one, and it became Jack. And this was Jack the Lego Maniac. Now, I was too old uh, in 1989. In 1989, I was working at a pizza place, you know, so I wasn't playing Lego. But uh, you were definitely aware if you watched Saturday morning cartoons, which I did when I was still 16. I got up and, uh, you know, (laughs) watched my Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, But these commercials, you know, with, with Zach and Jack the Lego Maniac uh were you know pretty prevalent and, and they were very very 80s with you know spiked hair and, and neon signs and and all the stuff that you think of as being 80s um, in the early 90s they did these again but there wasn't a name. So there was no Zack and there was no Jack. It was just a generic maniac, I suppose. Uh, so they just referred to this kid as the Lego maniac, but he didn't have a name. So maybe kids named Jack and Zack. Um, or uh, what if you were named Jack Flack? That would have been awful. Um, maybe they got complaints or something. So eventually they just went to a regular, uh, Lego maniac. So I do remember these commercials. Um, you gotta think though, that, uh, you know, in the late eighties and early nineties, um, you know, if you go back to when I got into Lego, uh, what's Lego competing with, right? I mean, Lincoln logs or erector sets or whatever, you know, whatever you would get kids at the time. Um, and then very quickly they're competing with Atari. I mean, in the late '80s, now you're competing with, you know, Nintendo and things like that and Game Boys. So they they really had to up their image to make it look uh, or seem a little cooler. But uh, you, you only have to imagine that the <laughs> that they were they were struggling, you know, to remain relevant at the time. Now, in 1995, I took a work trip to Minnesota. And while I was there, I stopped by the Mall of America. And the Mall of America is the biggest mall in the United States. It's not the biggest in North America. Um, I've been to that one as well. It's in Canada. But um, the Mall of America is gigantic. I remember one one of the stories I like to tell is when I walked in, I needed some batteries or a battery for my camcorder. And I asked a guy, Uh, if there was a radio shack, and he said, yes, there's one on the east end at the first floor and the west end on floor three. So there were two radio shacks. This mall was just gigantic. Um, But as I was walking around the mall, I I went to where this escalator was, and as I started going down, uh, I became even with the head of a Lego dinosaur. And as I went down to the next floor, I could see gigantic Lego creations of dinosaurs. And I had never seen anything like this before. I had never seen um, larger than life scale Lego creations. And so this was at uh, Legoland at the Mall of America. And boy, I mean, it was life-changing. I don't know. (laughs) Life-changing is an exaggeration, but I hadn't been into Lego in a long time. I mean, probably 10 years, you know, I hadn't messed around with Lego. And so I didn't know that these places existed. I didn't know that a Legoland existed. I didn't know that they still sold, I didn't know they sold Lego anywhere but Toys R Us or Walmart. That's where I got my Lego from. Uh, So it was really cool to walk around and see all the creations. And I remember there was a lot of detail. Like they had built tiny little eggs that were unhatched and then you would see like an egg that was hatched made out of lego and little footprints and stuff just a lot a lot of neat detail and um i didn't really think that lego was making a resurgence or anything i thought this was just kind of a one-off place but it was uh it was really cool just to kind of revisit lego at that time you know now um in the early 2000s and this was around the time uh, I i definitely, I, I don't remember if Mason was born. If he had, maybe he was like a year old or something like that. But it was right around the time that, that my son was born. And we had uh, gone to Garage Sale Day, which was the neighborhood Garage Sale Day in my old neighborhood where everybody would have garage sales. And I went up to a garage sale. And this was pretty early in the day. This was like the second or third garage sale we went to. And I saw the largest collection of Legos I had ever seen. Um probably 15 gallons if that if that's a I mean like a almost a 20 gallon tub full of Lego. And they wanted $200 for the Lego, which is I mean, honestly, probably worth it at the time. Lego's expensive. But also, I didn't have $200. I had 100 bucks, And so, I, I told the people, I said, listen, you're not going to sell $200 worth of Legos on garage sale day. Like, nobody is walking around here with 200 bucks." But I will pay you $100 right now. I've got $100 cash. I will pay you. I'll carry that off. And we talked about it, and they agreed. So, I bought... Now, I don't know how many... Lego I had at the time, I mean, if you wanted to compare it, maybe half that, so maybe I had 10 gallons worth of Lego, and then all of a sudden now I have another 20. So I ended up getting a 28 gallon tub for my Lego, which is large, and it is full. I mean, that's how many Lego, and I I still have these. Um, But the fun thing about this was it was a lot of new types of Lego that I hadn't seen. You know, the last new Legos I had got were in the early 80s. And I remember right on top, of course, they had also included all the building books. So you had all these books and they had right on top was this pirate ship and it had big masts and there were pirates and little treasures that had gold coins in them, like treasure chests and trees that I hadn't seen. And it was kind of fun to like, Go home and mess with that and take the, you know, try to rebuild stuff and things like that. Like, I wasn't really into Lego at the time. I was really buying this um, to build a collection of Lego for my kids. Um, but, um, uh, you know, it was um, it was a good investment. It was definitely a good investment. Um, now, my kids were still pretty young. I mean, well, Morgan wasn't born when I bought these, and Mace was really, um, you know, young. But so he didn't get into Lego right off the bat. But the thing that I got him into were Lego video games. Now, uh, this was around the early 2000s. Um, I remember when I got an Xbox, I had the Lego Star Wars. we also played uh, Lego Indiana Jones. Um, we bought a Honda Odyssey in 2003. And the Honda Odyssey had a rear drop-down television screen, and the television screen also had RCA inputs. And so we went on a road trip one time, and I believe this is in 2005 or 2006, so Mason was like four or five years old, and I got in the back seat with him. And we got back there, and I hooked up the Xbox, and we plugged it into the little inverter. And we played Star Wars Legos for like two hours on a road trip. We had a great time. I don't think my wife was that happy <laughs> that we were in the back playing Xbox while she was driving us across country. But uh, but yeah, I had a great time. So that was more his gateway uh, into Lego. Was not necessarily playing Legos as a kid, although he did play some Lego, but uh, you know it was the Lego video games and and later on some of the movies and stuff that really were the draw for him into that world of Lego now we have uh several local malls here in uh, Oklahoma City, and one of them is called pin Square mall and I looked up the date of this. It was two thousand nine when Pin Square Mall got its own Lego store now I had not seen. Legos for sale in a long time. Um, you know, I mentioned that uh Mall of, or Mall of America where I had seen Legoland, but that was it. I didn't have any reason to be buying Legos, you know, as a young adult. And so when they opened this Lego store, we were in the mall, they were having a grand opening, and I went there with Mason and and uh, my wife, well, the whole family. And I was amazed at all the advancements that Lego had made, which sounds dumb. But in my head, I was like, well, Lego only comes in eight colors, you know. And just to go there and see, like, well, now they have pink Lego. Now they have green Lego. And not just for the building, but, you know, for normal blocks. And and orange and all these colors that I had never seen before. Um, They also had, this was around the time when the Star Wars box sets were out. And I also had no idea how expensive (laughs) Legos were. Um, They had the Millennium Falcon, and I think maybe the Death Star, uh, I think the Death Star was $500, $700, something like that. I mean, it was just really, really expensive. Uh, And I had no idea. I had no idea uh, that Legos cost so much. Um, So we had a great time looking around, but uh, I don't think we bought, (laughs) I don't think we bought much on that trip. Um, Now, one of the things that I did end up buying, and this was, uh, in 2010 from that same store were the star Wars Lego figures that were mounted to magnets. So they had these three packs of figures and, uh, there were nine packs in all. They made 27, uh, different figures and, um, uh, each pack, and I think they were ten dollars, something like that. I mean, I you know I spent some money to because I did eventually. Well, I don't want to jump forward in the story, but um, but I bought them, and you would get three different figures. Like there was one kit that had Han Solo and Biker Scout and uh, one of the Ewoks, and they were snapped onto, which is an important detail. They were snapped onto another brick, which had a magnet on the back, and so you could use this as a kitchen magnet, but the figures came off the blocks. They were not permanently attached. Now, I don't know why LEGO started doing this. Maybe people were abusing the system. They were buying these and then selling the figures or something, um, but in 2011, the next year, they began gluing them and permanently attaching them to the magnet, so you could no longer just remove the figure off the magnet, but... Um, So the funny story about this is I had a coworker at the time. Uh, I had recently moved positions and I was brought to a new position, kind of like what we would call as a golden boy. Like, you know, I came pretty highly recommended to this new position. And there was a guy who was um, uh, outranked me for sure and just didn't care for me. I mean, that's that's how I felt. Let's put it that way. That's how I felt. Um, So when I would do something, he would correct me. Oh, well, you could have done this. And I would go, okay. But one of his things is he was definitely one of those guys where he would say like, oh, well, I've done this better, or I would have done it better, or I would do this. And uh, I'll give you a great example was a few months after I started, and some of my coworkers were pointing this out. They were like, uh, you know, did you notice? I'm like, yeah, of course I noticed, you know, that he's doing this. Um, We had a Thanksgiving uh dinner at work and everybody had to sign up to bring something. So somebody had signed up for turkey and somebody had signed up for mashed potatoes. And I signed up and put rolls or dinner rolls. I think that's what I wrote, dinner rolls. So it said Rob and dinner rolls. And then this guy came and signed up right below me and it says, He wrote dinner rolls and then in parentheses put homemade. (laughs) And it was such a slight little jab that he was bringing the same thing as me after me. I mean, after I had already signed up, but his were homemade. And we joked about that for years. Um, You know, I would say like, oh, I got a new laptop and somebody go, yeah, but is it homemade? Uh, So, I mean, we referenced this for a long time. So anyway, um, I had bought three of those magnets, and I had put them up. I had these really old school metal uh, shelves in my cube, and i put the three of them up. And this guy came by my cube, and he said, "Oh yeah, I've I've got a lot of those." And I was like, "Yeah, I got a lot of them too." He's like, oh, "He goes, I don't know, I probably got more of them." I go, "Oh maybe." And so over the weekend, I went to the Lego store and I bought all of them. <laughs> There were 27 different figures, and I bought them all. I mean, I like I literally probably look like a maniac. You know, kids are trying to shop, and I'm pushing them out of the way. I'm like, no, that one's got Greedo. I need that one, you know. And I went to work early Monday, and I put them all up. I had 27 Lego figures stuck to magnets all the way around. And he had come by, and he's like, yeah. He goes, that's a lot of them. He goes, "I'm, I'm sure that I have more. And I go, you can't you can't have more because I have them all. so you can only have as many as I have. but you can't have more than me and um, he really took it personal. <laughs> I mean by the way, I spent like 300 something dollars just to be able to say that but uh, it was worth it. <laughs> um, but yeah he was uh, he was that kind of guy uh, but you know what at the end of the day, I ended up with a lot of Lego uh, minifigures, so uh, I feel like it was worth it. (laughs) I feel like it all came together. Um, In March of 2014, we took a road trip, a family road trip, down through New Orleans and straight across east, and we ended up going to Disney World in Florida, and we went to the Legoland Lego store that is uh, at Disney World and it was so cool. I really liked it. They had a lot, again, uh, a lot of those full-size or even bigger-than-life Lego, Lego sculptures. I'm assuming they're glued together or something uh, because they were out where kids could could touch them. There was a, a life-size Hulk uh, that was done in the style of a Lego minifig, I guess. that kind of has the Lego look on the face. And there's a picture of my kids uh, with those. There were and I, I remember uh, there was a Woody from Toy Story, I think a Buzz Lightyear. There were some other things that were there. Um, but you know, it was really cool. And I remember being there and telling my kids, like, you know, I'll buy you whatever you want. Like, if you want Lego, I will get you Lego, you know? And I think I ended up getting Mason a Spongebob SquarePants. It was like a it was SpongeBob's house, like a pineapple. And it was a Lego kit, but I remember looking at it and it was so much a toy, you know, I mean, it was still Lego and you still assembled it, but way more than the Yellow Castle. It had all these different interactive things or whatever. And, and it just kind of, that was my first inkling that um Lego had changed, you know, that that it wasn't just about building things, that all of a sudden it had to have uh, all these new features, you know. Um, When we left uh, Lego World, by the way, outside they have this thing that looks like the Loch Ness Monster that is in the water, and it's all made of Lego. I thought that was the coolest thing. I mean, I probably took 100 pictures of that thing, Uh, you know, with me in front of it, the kids in front of it. It's one of those, like a vacation thing when you're going through vacation photos and you go, why do I have 50 pictures of that? But I guess it was just because I was so excited uh, to see it out there. But if you've never seen it, it's a really cool thing that they have right outside of uh, Legoland out there. Now, um, I, I have some pictures of my kids playing with Legos and, This was after I had bought all those Legos from the garage sale. So now, in a way, I feel like it's almost too many Legos. You know, like when you're a kid, it's like anything. We've talked about this for uh, video games. Like if you give somebody three Atari games, they'll pick the best one and they'll play it. But if you give them a 100, they're going to pick the best two or three and just play those. And none of those other ones are going to get played. And so by giving somebody, you know, 25 gallons of Legos or whatever it, it's almost too much like you don't have to be um, you know as creative or problem-solving uh, skills that we had as kids because now there was all these specialized pieces um, and I don't really remember the kids and I playing uh, you know that many Legos together I mean like I don't remember us doing it that many times maybe half a dozen um, and um one of the things about it was my kids had a really hard time with taking the Legos apart when we were done. They wanted to save their stuff. And I was like, "No, you you take it apart, you know, but that concept was new to them of I'm not going to be able to keep this, you know. And so we came up with a a compromise which was we would take digital pictures. So every time that we were done building a spaceship or whatever, we um, you know we would take a picture of it and I would say okay now you've got a picture of it we'll we'll remember what you built but now we need the the pieces for next time you know and I, maybe part of that was because I had so many Legos like when you have you know a hundred Legos uh, and you build a house like you're gonna need those bricks next time but when you've got you know thousands and thousands of bricks you don't feel like you need to disassemble what he did today to build something tomorrow because there's so many uh, bricks left over but Um, you know, that was just the way I had done it. And so, and maybe that was wrong, you know, but, uh, but that was the way I felt like these aren't, you know, for saving, we build it, we have a good time. And then we took a picture and then we take them apart, you know, so that we have bricks the next time. Um, I do remember if my kids weren't really into this, but my, I had a nephew who got into Ninjago, which is a Lego TV show that has ninjas, I guess, but they're not really traditional ninjas. I mean, I looked up these Ninjago play sets and they got spaceships and, and um, race cars and things like that. So they're definitely not the not the ninjas of my childhood. Um, but I remember he asked for a uh, Lego Ninjago play set or, you know, building set for his birthday. And I was really excited. I was like, oh, he wants it. And it was basically a... Uh, you know, like a little a soccer. Well, it wasn't like soccer. It was like foosball. And there were sticks that went through and you put all the people on the sticks and turn it and there was a little soccer ball and you, you hit it back. So once you had built it, you made a foosball thing. And again, it's this idea of, you know, you have to build something with Lego, but then it has to do something. And that is what changed from generations. When I was a kid, you built it and it was enough just to look at, you know, and then, I mean, the fun was in the building, but it seems like, uh, and and not to come off as the old man, but uh, that now it's you build it, and then it also has to to do something. So, and it probably does have to to compare to you know um, or to compete with other kid toys. Um, Lego has come out with some interesting marketing ideas throughout the years to try to stay relevant. I mentioned the Zach the Lego Maniac and Jack the Lego Maniac. Um, but uh, I remember there was a, a marketing thing that came out on the internet for a while and it was these really minimalistic uh, pictures of just a few colored blocks standing together. And the first one I saw had the Simpsons, but the first one was just like two blocks of blue, then two you know, on the bottom, and then two blocks of white, and then two blocks of yellow. And when you look at that, I mean, it's literally just a little tower of three colors, but then next to it is a stack that's taller, that's green and then yellow, and then a big blue stack. And you go, oh, that's Homer Simpson. That's Marge Simpson. And then based on the colors, you could tell who the other people were. And they released a series of these little ads. There was one for Burton Ernie. There was a series where they had the Smurfs. Uh, There was one that had Donald Duck with Huey, Dewey, and Louie next to him, and then uh, one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There may have been others, but those are the ones that, that I remember seeing at the time. And um, I thought that was a really good idea uh, because they're so minimalistic. It's just, again, just a little splash of color or the right ratio. And you can, you know, really present this idea of a figure with, with just a few blocks, you know. And uh, it has just the right amount of nostalgia, I think, for people that are my age to want to buy... Uh, you know, Legos for their kids, which is, you know, what really what a lot of this was about for me was was buying and saving Legos so that my kids could have the same toys, uh, you know, that I had as a kid. Now, starting all the way back, you know, a lot of people have been during the pandemic have been working from home, but I've been working from home multiple days a week for uh, almost 10 years now. And there was a point in time pretty early on, I was doing. I was assigned to a specific project where I didn't have stuff to do. I was only reactive. I wasn't proactive. It was a position where I had to monitor things, and if something went wrong, I had to take action. But that was what I was doing, and so I had a lot of downtime when, when things were going okay. And I came up with this idea. I don't really remember why. But this was after I'd bought all those Legos and I'd put them all in. And I was just thinking, you know, there's so many Legos in this giant tub I've never seen. And so what I decided to do was sort all of my Lego by color. So I went down to Dollar Tree or Dollar General and I bought some of those plastic shoebox tubs. These were actually a little bit bigger uh, than those traditional ones. And I sat at my desk and sometimes I would be on meetings and sometimes I would be watching something online. I mean, like training or something, but I set up all those shoe boxes on the floor and I would pick up, scoop up a handful of Lego and I would sit there and just deal them like cards, toss the yellow one, toss the white one, toss the gray one, toss the red one and put them in those things. And I mean, this took me like, man, I don't know like over a week. Um, But I wasn't doing it full time. I wasn't always doing it during the day. I did it at night a lot, you know, just when I was sitting in this one particular room. Uh, It was just kind of a mindless activity to sit there and do. Uh, And when I was done, I had them all sorted out into different colors. And I thought this would be great uh, when we play Lego. And then we never played Lego again. (laughs) I never played Lego uh, when we had them all separated out. And when we moved, from that house to this house, I saw all those stacks of tubs, and I went and got the big tub that I had originally had, and I dumped them all back in and mixed them up. <laughs> so it was a fun activity, and I will say that the the takeaway, the enjoyment that I got, is that I've touched every Lego brick that I own. I've touched every single one. You know, I also did separate out all the minifigs. Uh, I don't remember. And I, th- I think all the accessories um, at, at the same time. And I put those in a couple of large sandwich bags, like Ziploc bags, just to keep those separate. Because, I don't know, for some reason, it just seems better to have those separate. But uh, all the building blocks, at the end of the day, I just tossed all back in. It was a, a fun project, but uh, not uh, long-serving, I would say. Now, in 2014 is when the Lego movie came out. And I took my kids to go see it. We went and saw it, I think, in 3D. Um, And there was a big resurgence for Lego at that time. You know, there was a lot of new Lego kits and a lot of interest. And, of course, you've got, again, that crossover of nostalgia. So, you know, in the Lego movie when you show, um, you know, Batman and things like that, like the kids go, oh, I love that. But also – You know, they've got the Blue Astronaut. They've got some of the old kits. And so when you're an adult and you grew up with Legos, you go, oh, yeah, I remember that. So I do remember really enjoying the Lego movie. Um, You know, there are a lot of things in my life that I have bought and kept in the box. Uh, Action figures that, that I didn't open or Star Wars things that I didn't open. But I never felt that way about Legos. You know, they were selling Lego Star Wars kits at the time. Um, but I've never felt that way about Lego. I never wanted to buy a Lego kit and not open it. I've always felt that Legos were for playing no matter what. Now, there are, I did buy some Star Wars Lego kits that I opened and then kept the box, but the boxes are empty. The Legos are in with all the other Lego because that's, uh, again, I I was just not a believer in, in putting Legos somewhere where kids couldn't play with them, you know? Um, I think the Lego Movie is what led. Well, they had, some of this stuff predates it, um, but another gateway for my kid was all the um, Lego Star Wars animated movies. There was the Yoda Chronicles, which we had seen. There was Droid Tales uh, a year or two ago. Was the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, uh, which uh, I ended up I did uh, on a podcast with Rick Reynolds on his Holiday Special podcast. And then I watched again later with my kids. And it was a fun, um, it was kind of a time traveling uh, thing where they where they got Lego or they got, you know, stuff from all the different Star Wars generations and got it all mixed together and stuff like that. So um, again, that, that seems to be more of what my kids are into. They liked the Lego movies. They liked the Lego video games. They just didn't like building with Legos <laughs> all that much. Now, in 2015, we went on another family vacation, and this time we went up to Wisconsin, and while we were there, we drove through Minnesota, and we went to the Mall of America for the second time. Second time for me, first time for everyone else uh, in the family, and the Legoland was still there, but it was greatly expanded. It was all different, and I remember... Going up in one area, they had a, a like a transformer-type robot that was, uh, you know, more than two stories tall. There was a giant helicopter that was hanging from the ceiling. There was all kinds of stuff there. And it really, um, again, I mean, it got me excited. And the kids ran around and looked at stuff. And I was like, if anybody here wants Lego, let me know and I'll buy it. But they didn't want it. They, they really, it was... Uh, And again, in 2015, Mason would have been 14. So, you know, he would have outgrown that stuff. And and, uh, it was never really Morgan's thing. So um, then they had a good time while we were there. And it was fun to see all the stuff, the giant models that they'd put together. But uh, it didn't really uh, spark anything in them for uh, playing Lego. Now, in 2017, I bought a 3D printer. And uh, my friend Andy was interested in it. He wanted to know how it worked. And and his boys, especially his older boy, who's, um, uh, I think he just turned 12. So he might've been nine or 10 at the time, but he was interested in 3D printing and wanted to learn about it. And I said, well, come over and we'll print something and I'll show you how it works. And so I went on uh, one of the online websites where you can download printable 3D models. And I found a printable 3d model of lego minifigures now with my printer at the time uh the print was kind of rough but you did get all the separate pieces i mean you got each leg you got the torso you got the hands the head um and when you're done you put it all together and you have a lego person and so i had already printed one before they came and i had started the second one and they came and they got to see it finish printing and when we were done we popped it off and And, uh, you know, they got to him and Andy has two sons. And so the two kids got to assemble their own Lego people. And they thought that was so neat, you know. Now, with my printer, uh, it's not injection molding, you know. It's not going to be completely smooth like a normal Lego figure. So I don't think home... Uh, 3d printers like the technology that i have that's not going to put lego out of business anytime soon but it is an interesting concept to be able to print maybe a replacement piece or an extra minifigure you know if you wanted to uh maybe sand it down and, and try to smooth it a little bit or something like that but uh i i wouldn't say that you would ever mistake uh the ones that i printed for an actual uh lego minifigure. figure that's uh that's a good way to put it now uh one of the things I've talked about if you're on my Patreon uh I do a show a weekly video called Rando Rob and I record a video and uh on that uh on that show I pick something out of my room uh something that I've bought or purchased and I talk about it and one of the episodes I did a few weeks ago was um about these clocks that I have. I have one that's a Stormtrooper, and I have one that's Yoda. And they look like Lego figures, but they're tall. They're, you know, a foot tall, maybe. And in the middle, where their stomach ought to be, as the song goes, uh, is a large digital clock. And um, I bought these, both of them, the Yoda one and the Stormtrooper, uh, when I was visiting uh, Buffalo, New York. Actually, Tonawanda, which is right outside Buffalo, uh which is where Sean my uh, podcast partner on Throwback Reviews lives and so I was I'd gone up there we were visiting and we had gone to a antique store and they had these and I really like when I am able to purchase something that scratches multiple itches you know and so these are giant Lego figures and so I love them for that right But the better part is that when I look at them, I think of Sean and I'm reminded of that trip, you know? And so that's, uh, again, something that I always like. Like if you can, you know, if you buy a, a Star Wars figure and you go, okay, well, you know, I have thousands of Star Wars figures, but that's another one. But if you buy something that's Boba Fett, that's also a back scratcher and you go, well, that's cool because now it's got a function. It does something as well as remind you of something, you know? And so that's, what I really like about these uh, two Lego figures is not necessarily, I mean, I do like that they are Star Wars Lego, you know, but I mean, really, this is three inches if you think about it, because they're Lego, they're Star Wars, and they remind me of my buddy, Sean. So uh, it was a three-way win as far as I'm concerned. Now, when I got back from that trip, and this was probably two years ago, maybe maybe three years ago. They opened a new store near me called the container store. And if you've not been to one of these, they have containers for everything you can imagine. They have organizers for your closet. They have shelves for your kitchen. They have uh, just, you know, anything you can imagine that has to do with uh, um, containers. They have, that's why it's called the container store. It's quite literally (laughs) why it's called that. Um, They also have some unique containers, uh, For desktop organization, school, work, things like that. One of the things they had were these large Lego bricks. I mean, they're really large. Uh, I say really large. I mean, they're, you know, eight inches by two to three inches, something like that. Uh, But they're hinged and they open up, they're hollow, and you can put things inside. And I bought one of those, and I keep all my loose SD cards. I used to keep all my USB. Sticks in there, but it's hard to organize them. I don't have that many SD cards, uh, but I mean this would hold probably 200 SD cards, and I only have a dozen. But uh, it's really cool because it sits here and it's red and it looks like a Lego, and it reminds me of those, you know, of Lego. So I just enjoy looking at it. But the other thing that I bought there was a giant hollow Lego minifigure head, <laughs> and the top of the head comes off and it's hollow. And I think I have. Uh, I used to keep my keys and wallet in it. There's something else in it now. I don't remember what I put in it. But um, again, it's that that just that kind of reminder. And, and like I said about the uh, the action figure or the Lego mini fixtures that are also a clock is that it serves two purposes, right? Like it is a storage device. You can put things in it, put it on a shelf and you go, oh, that's, you know, I could keep things in there. But when I see it, I'm also reminded uh, of Lego. So now, um. I've I've just put a picture on the uh, slideshow. You can see the uh, Lego, the giant Lego head, with his head kind of popped off. Um, now I like to do a lot of my shopping at Dollar General, uh, and I like to do a lot of my shopping at Big Lots. I am not in charge of buying groceries for my house, <laughs> but if I need school supplies or I need uh, you know, something for the backyard, things like that. I I like to go to those bargain type places. I don't like going to Walmart and having to walk, you know, twenty miles. Just it's a hike from where I park just to be able to get in and then to go. In. I just can't find anything in those stores. I like a smaller uh, store. So I remember not too long ago, I was in big lots and I saw these Lego kits and they were much cheaper than I was expecting. You know, I had seen the ones at the Pin Square Mall at the Lego store. I'd seen them at the Mall of America and even a, a moderately sized kit, you know, would be 20, 30, some of them 50 or some of them $100. And at big lots, they had this one.
1: It was a giant
0: warship and I figured it would be $100 and it was like $20. Or twenty five, and I was like, "Wow, that's a bargain!" And I looked at it, and the company was not Lego. The company was called BrickTech. Now, the Lego logo is universally known. You see the word Lego; it's surrounded by yellow, and then it's on a red background. Well, the BrickTech was also on a red background, but a little—you know—it's a different font. Um, but then there is a little thing at the bottom that says compatible with the leading brand of building bricks so i think maybe they've got sued so they can't even say the word lego you can't say compatible with lego but you can say you're compatible with the leading brand which by the way i mean i would think the difference the margin between the leading brand and the second leading brand would be very large (laughs) um but You know, I never owned any off brand Lego before, and I don't know that I'm necessarily against it. Um, I have seen online where you can buy now, uh, either from Lego or from other people. Like, you could go on eBay and type in like five pound bag of Legos, and you could just buy a big thing of Legos. If you want to build, I know people do this, like, if you're wanting to build a model of, I don't know, Uh, of the White House, you can order 20 pounds of white Legos. You know, you could get something that would be color specific to what you're trying to build. So I don't know that I would be against buying these generic Lego or, you know, I mean, calling it generic Lego, I would say an off-brand that's compatible with Lego. I I just never really thought about it, you know, but um, I guess that option is out there. Um, And I have actually... I've been in big lots before and seen these and thought like I, like I was out for lunch one day for work and I thought, I want to, I should just buy that and go back to work and put that together (laughs) this afternoon. But uh, so anyway, I wanted to wrap this up. The last thing that I had on here says, where are my Legos today? Well, they are literally in my garage um, at the last house They, other than the time when I'd sorted them out, they sat in a closet for eight years. Like, I don't think we ever played with them at that house. We only played with them at the previous house. And so when you've got something like this that's so nostalgic, um, it's hard to part with. When my kids were going to the daycare, I had a bunch of puppets and I Don't remember if I did the episode, if I did an episode on puppets, I don't remember, but um but I you know, eventually I donated all my puppets to uh the daycare. Like I'm what am I gonna do? I like I'm in my forties, I'm not doing a puppet show for people, you know? And my kids didn't want to play for play with puppets and not not the puppets I had when I was a kid, so so there's no nothing left for those, you know, so that was a good place to go and they put them in the kids room and the kids play with them and they have a great time, you know, but I, there's something about the Legos. I can't do that with like I don't want to donate. Um, I don't if I were to sell all my Legos now, I have no idea. I really have no idea, uh, but you're. it would be several several hundred dollars. It might be over a thousand dollars worth of Legos. So. I mean, I don't want to just toss them. I don't want to just give them away. But they are literally sitting in this giant tub in my garage. So what I've told myself is that I'm saving them for the day when I have grandkids. I mean, my son is 19 and a half. Uh, My daughter is 16. So it's conceivable in the next five to 10 years that I might have grandkids. Um, Will my grandkids want to play with Legos? That's a tough question uh, you know, my kids weren't that interested in Lego and you got to think, I mean, at the age when I was a kid, when I was enjoying Legos, my kids were enjoying iPads. And so that's what Lego will have to compete with in the future. And, you know, I have no idea what kind of technology we'll have, um, when I have grandkids, will Lego be able to compete with that? I don't really know. Maybe someday I will be in a nursing home and I will just go and I will take my Legos and I'll spend my time by the window um building old spaceships and and uh, having a good time. So that's where my Lego collection has ended up. I don't don't have a plan with it at this point, but uh I don't have a plan to get rid of them, but I don't really know what to do with them. So that's uh Unfortunately, the end of my Lego story. that wraps up another episode of You Don't Know Flat. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Robcast. Follow me on Twitter here at Commodore. Come hang out with us at the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord, or leave me a message on the podcast hotline, which is 405-486-YDKF. All patrons of my shows get behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. You Don't Know Flack is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the RSS feed at podcast.robohara.com. To hear more podcasts from me, like Sprite Castle, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, and Multiple Sadness, visit podcast.robohara.com for links to these shows. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get back to building brick houses, and we'll see you here next time on You Don't Know Flack. His name is Zack, his microchips are out of whack He built a Blacktron Cadillac He's Zack the Lego Maniac He sent his cosmic fleet to Mars He's out there cruising with the stars His mind is lost in outer space A LEGO land, basket case Zack, Zack He's a Lego Maniac Zack, Zack He's a Lego Maniac A cosmonaut